Hey, I'm Craig Finn, and this is my podcast. I call it That's How I Remember It. Each episode, I have a conversation with one artistic person about the relationship between memory and creativity. I try to figure out how their memory and life experiences affect the stories they tell others, as well as the stories they tell themselves. Carly Hartsman is my guest on today's episode. Carly is the lead singer and songwriter in the band Wednesday out of Asheville, North Carolina. The band is having a great few years. Their 2021 release, Twin Plagues, was one of my favorites of 2022, which is when I found it. Now they're back on the precipice of dropping their next album, Rat Saw God, which is absolutely fantastic. Wednesday combines classic shoegaze music with some rootsier Americana sounds, alongside Carly's really compelling stories about people she knows, things that have happened around her, and other slices of life. It's basically a ton of things I love, an exciting record from an exciting band, and it's out April 6, 2023. I highly recommend it. I was so happy that Carly was able to talk about all of that and more with me here on That's How I Remember It. The history's rewritten When the memories get meddled with The way that I remember it Carly, thanks for joining me today. I start these all off with the same question, which is, do you consider yourself to have a good memory? No. <laughs> nope. No. I'm really <laughs> surprised to hear that. You, What do you think slips through? Everything or, or particular things? Honestly, I don't think if I like wrangled my memory in the way I do with my songs, I would retain much of anything. And I think it's becoming more of a generational thing for people my age to like use forgetting as a coping mechanism because we know too much (laughs) Um, and then it kind of just becomes a habit so I feel like my songs that deal a lot with memory are just like me clawing my way to like try to like attach myself to the past in like a really desperate attempt because yeah I feel like I've just trained myself to forget Talk about that for a second, because when you're talking about training yourself to forget, is that dealing with specific trauma, or is that just like, I can't deal with, there's just too much information, and I just can't deal with it right now, I need to move forward? Probably a mix of both. Like, everyone has their own shit that they're dealing with. I feel like forgetting is kind of a healing thing for most people after trauma, because if you experience something and it feel it with the exact same gravity of when you first experience it, you're not going to be able to get through your day. But also just like, I mean, we learn about global warming now when we're in third grade. So it's like you're dealing with the harsh truth of the world so early on. I don't know. I remember just feeling hopeless so early and just, yeah, having to like push knowledge I had to the back of my mind just so I wasn't filled with dread. And I think a lot of people are naturally more optimistic probably than I am and don't have that practice. But I feel like anyone with my personality type, like if they don't actively like try to push it away, it's going to just attack and consume them. I'm 51. And when I was a kid, the Cold War, nuclear war was a big thing, right? And mm. and there was always a kid in your class that knew all the facts. Like, it would be like, you know, Russia has enough to blow the world up 400 times or something like that. And there was always, like, different levels where I was always trying not to think about it, right? You know? Yeah. Some people are comforted by facts. Right. I think that's true. And I think knowing maybe 
I mean, that's starting to look for a solution, I guess, right? Maybe. I think it's like, if you're a facts person, you like to be prepared for the worst and that's comforting or like a knowledge is power thing. Whereas like me, like I purposefully don't listen to the daily because <laughs> I can't right. handle the information. Like I know if I knew I'd be a wreck all the time. So I purposely kind of have to dumb myself down in some issues to avoid the stress, which is horrible. No, I mean, you have to go forward. I mean, I think that one of the things we've been talking about with a lot of people in this podcast is one thing, like, I think when we look back, we tend to remember good stuff. We we prioritize good things because if we, I think there's a def- human defense mechanism. If we just remembered bad stuff, we couldn't get out of bed, right? I mean, like, so I don't know. The, the bad days to me sort of flatten out. You know, when I look back like in an old job, I'm like, oh, that was fun. I like that guy I worked with, you know? But then I can't, I'm not really thinking about like how I hated going there and, because it's my past, right? Yeah. Do you have that? I'm not sure if that's kind of how like my brain organizes itself, but that makes sense to me. I get a lot of like, I feel like my most, and this is not fun, but like the most flash bulby detailed memories I have are those of embarrassment. And I like (laughs) more so than happy and more so than sad. Just like I get, I'll be like staying in my kitchen and like almost be like pelted to the ground with embarrassment and a memory of embarrassment, even secondhand embarrassment. Like I remember other people's embarrassing moments because I know I'm like, they would want me to forget this. And so I, and I like, it's like a weird reverse psychology when I'd be like, for their sake, I want to forget it. But for some reason I remember it even better than. I, yeah, I'm fully with you. I mean, I can tell you, I played a show in Seattle in maybe 2005 where I got too drunk and I, I honestly think about it every day. Really? Yeah, and it, it, it was like just, it was really bad on my part. It was disappointing to my bandmates mm-hmm. and, and to myself. And like, I can say I, I think about it every day. Were you just like too drunk to function or did you say something specific? I said some stuff. I threw a mic in the crowd. I was angry. I was angry at the security. I've said too much That's already. Okay. Yeah, sorry to press. You, no, 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 no. But it's, it's just, um, it sticks with you. I know what, I, I know what you mean. When you talk about clawing back details from songs, how does that work? You know, like these memories, because obviously there's details in your songs that that seem very real. There's, you know, Dollar General, Starbucks, Planet Fitness, etc. How does that, like, how do you pull those? Yeah, I mean, I think I just, one of the ways I make sure I don't ever really get writer's block is I'll just sit down and be like, I'll know there's an event that happened in my life. I'll pick that day and I'll write down every detail I can remember. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, it feels pretty obvious to me, but like, I think it's more like it's not a way a lot of people write, I guess. No, and does actually doing that, does it conjure memories that maybe you didn't have when you sat down to do it? Absolutely, because your brain is already connected in all those ways. So once you think of one thing... Like the rest comes flowing out, especially with a traumatic memory, which is a lot about what I I write about a lot of that stuff. Sure. Are there senses that are more part of your memories than than others? Hmm. That's hard to say because I like I know smell is a really strong one for other people, but my sense of smell and taste are both really horrible. <laughs> and so I mostly I, I gotta say visual just because when I write about the memory, I'm sitting in that room. 
looking around and just seeing it, re-seeing it. If there's another sense that somehow exists that's tied directly to, like, the tone. <laughs> like, I, I see the room as the space and everything's under this lens of tone. Like, everyone somehow feels the same way because there's this... The word vibe is passed around a lot, but, like, it's hard to describe. Memory is so crazy. Like, there's just this shared feeling with everyone in the room when I look back, and I'm just trying to put everyone there and describe it. I'm loving this. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, I, I thought you were going to say that your smell at Olfactory was going to be good, just because the first song on the record is called Hot Rotten Grass Smell. And it seems like something that that was my prediction, but I was wrong. I also don't have a good strong sense of smell. For me, light light is something that's really attached to my memory, like the light, how like California has different light than the East Coast, etc. Hmm. And that really somehow is affects my memories. Yeah, that that happens to me too without realizing it. Like the way, like that made me think of the neon light of the nail salon I'm describing in that first song. Hmm. Yeah, I even think about how light would light in different, like, locations, though. But I've only been to the West Coast once, and I was, like, disturbed the whole time I was there just because I didn't really get it. <laughs> I was having a hard time adjusting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I or also, like, you know, when I've been up north, like, like in England, but also even in Scandinavia where it stays late, or Alaska where it stays light, late, that's its own thing that very much affects my memory, like... When it's 11 p.m. and it's still light and you're like, people are still acting like nighttime acting. Yeah, I haven't experienced that yet. It's cool. Um, early memories of music. Do you have Do you have like the first, do you, can you remember the first music that you kind of connected with? So when I was a kid, my dad burned like 15 CDs of songs from LimeWire and they were just all my dad's taste. That's all we listened to for like years. And some of the songs I remember sticking with me. And they were all like funny bootleg versions. Like they would cut in with some other song for like five seconds and then like cut back out. And I always thought that like well, I would hear the actual song in like a grocery store and be like, what the hell? Like the version I listened to all my life was not the right version. But I remember Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson like deep I was like this is the most moving song I've ever heard as a kid <laughs> a bunch of Eminem was my dad was into and my dad the first time he heard you are beautiful by Christina Aguilera he made us listen to it like 15 times and so it was all like these random pop rock dad songs that I was just listening to over and over and over Jamiroquai was on there like stuff like that I just never got sick of because to me that was the only music that really existed <laughs> we didn't really listen to the radio it was just those mixed cds and my parents were music people in the sense that they loved having music on but they weren't like digging through indie rock shit so i wasn't really aware of any of that and finding my own music until middle school at the earliest when you did what was your own music Definitely, like, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina, and there was a big pop-punk scene there. So, unfortunately, it was pop-punk. It led you somewhere, right? It did. It did. Does that mean, like, Blink-182 or, or something, or no effects? Or? It was, like, Fallout Boy, Paramore. My older cousin made me a mix CD that had Blink-182 on it. 
and I remember feeling a little uncomfortable. It was like I heard it a little too soon and I like wasn't ready to hear someone describing a sexual feeling. And I was just like, I never want to hear this voice of Tom DeLonge again because he exposed me to something I didn't want to know yet. <laughs> right. Not ready. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I bet you a lot of people feel that way. I mean, it's that they're big man. So I'm fascinated by this idea that I've been asking everyone, like, are there mu- is there music in your life that sounds better at like during certain seasons like is there are there winter records are there summer records etc absolutely Ugh, i've actually been thinking about this a lot recently because and this is a bigger conversation that we can or can't get into depending on how you feel about it but sun kill moon and red house painters is winter music to me and we're in that season and obviously like my relationship with that music fucking sucks right now because that guy's like has a lot of weight to him and his behavior but when I, I i crave that music in the winter and so i've been kind of turning my attention to richard buckner instead he's like like i've trying to fill that void he came up with another guest just recently too as as winter music yeah oh uh, yeah that's for winter music yeah it was amanda shires and she mentioned that as winter music so that's cool yeah that makes it's winter so maybe i'm gonna I, I thought I should put on some Buckner, but mm. maybe now now it's it, it's definitely a sign that that's how I need to spend my afternoon. Sounds like it. How about summer music? Is there summer music, or is that just fun music? Or well, summer music I associate. We live next door to our friends, and we grill out a lot, and we usually just listen to country radio during the summer mm-hmm. outside. There's a really good country station here, or a few of them. So radio, country, pop, country, even just like fun, weightless. Stuff you don't have to think about too hard. Stereo Lab feels like a country band to me, or no, a a summer band for some reason. That's the first one I thought of. It's I, I mean, so much of it is like when to me, I think it's a lot attached to when I first heard it. Stereo Lab seems like a spring band to me, mm. like something is percolating, mm. like things are things are starting to grow in some in my mind. But I also I could see it as a summer thing too. We've gotten different answers throughout these, and I think some of it is for myself when I attached myself to something. How, how about like eras? And when you books, films, art, or anything, are there any any like eras that you're drawn to? Like, is you love a certain type of movie or book? Or I don't know if there's an era I'm drawn to as much as figures in an era who have the same sense of timelessness in that. I'll use some examples to kind of describe what I'm saying. So I'm a big Richard Brodigan fan. I'm a big Harry Cruz fan. And I'm trying to think of like a modern example of what I'm talking about. Friendship, who you played some shows with, is a good like modern example. I love that band, yeah. Of a writer that uses language that is easy to understand in a poetic way to describe the time they're living in. I'm just so turned off by music that's too gatekept by a certain level of knowledge and books too. Like any media that's like that has a you have to be this far into your education to relate or understand. I fucking hate words that I don't get <laughs> like in general. Like I consider myself like a relatively smart person, but like if there's a lot of books I've put down because I'm like, they're essentially just like, it feels like a knowledge competition or something. Like, I don't know. So really any writer from any time that I can read 
as if they're a friend of mine or something. That's talking plainly in some way to you, right? And 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 I guess the extension would be honestly. Yeah, and you can say so much that way. It's like not a limit. It's more like a way to reach more people inherently. I don't know. I just am so like fascinated by people who can take words we see all the time and make something that's feels completely like nothing you've ever heard before. Hey, this is Craig Finn, host of That's How I Remember It, which is supported by DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. Over a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, TikTok, etc., all the major streaming services. Use the app to upload new releases, edit account details and metadata, get notified when you've earned royalties, and see your stats. And you'll get 30% off your first year's membership by visiting distrokid.com slash craigfan. So hey, get your music out there and do it easily. Thank you, DistroKid, for supporting That's How I Remember It. Yeah, well, that's a good transition because I want to talk about the new record, Rat Saw God. And um, when the, I saw the press when, when the songs Chosen to Deserve and Bo Believer came out. You mentioned you wanted to do something, or you, you mentioned Let There Be Rock by Drive-By Truckers, and Patterson was my first guest on this podcast, and you mentioned you actually mentioned DBT on the song Bath County, I think. I'm a huge fan of theirs, and when I had Patterson and I talk a lot about what I think he kind of has done is sort of build monuments to his own people and to pass along, you know, his stories, like his own, their own folklore, so they won't be forgotten. And to be honest, that quality is a huge reason why I started my band, The Hold Steady. I saw the drive-by truckers and I wanted a band and I wanted to do something similar with my own people, even if I was oftentimes writing fiction. In the last song on this record, you even mentioned Jake, which I believe refers to your bandmate. Um, does this sort of monument building jive with what you're trying to do? I mean, are you trying to scratch these stories into the stone for, you know, t- t- for your people? Absolutely, yeah. And my bandmates, but also specifically, like, my family. I love the idea of, like, making these, like, regular-ass people, but who are, like, extraordinary to me, permanent. Because, yeah, like, my dad is a like worked in a car garage and is now doing people's taxes but like his history is so rich and worth telling and then my mom has had a million things good and bad happen in her life and is like very kind probably the most kind person I know in spite of like in spite of a lot of tragedy and I think that is worth writing about just as much as anything else but yeah I love hearing stories of people like that and writing stories of people like that that I know and on chosen to deserve you say we always started by telling all our best stories first and I I sort of think of that I think about like you know when you meet new people and you know whether you're on tour or whether however you're meeting you're like you got to hear this (laughs) you know like like check out this guy I knew back in Minnesota did this you know and then when it comes to writing songs it seems obvious to me that you want to write a song I would want to write a song about that I feel like you might feel the same way bull believer you say poured one out for all my guys the tiny monuments get propped up on the roadside and Corey, which is my favorite song in the record seems like this too there's the, almost a list of all these a little bit scandalous things that happened um 
do is this a list of things that really happen? Are you writing the best or most dramatic versions of things or a lot of it is just straight pretty straightforward retellings of stories. And I have a running list of things that I want to talk about and Corey was definitely like me just going through that list and it was kind of a writing exercise cuz I was like imagining a cul-de-sac where all of these stories lived and then describing house by house. And so I imagine the verses are different homes on the cul-de-sac, but the third verse is about my dad burning down like a huge, like acres of a field with a model rocket, which was the story he told me when I was growing up. And then the second half of that verse is about my uncle who discovered he had a kid recently that was born when he was like 17 and just, he didn't know anything about her. And that was like one of those stories that you could hear and never speak of again or log it forever and just this like I mean music is forever so it's like I wanted to make sure that persisted somewhere just because it's a crazy story yeah yeah and I think that I mean for me as I've known a few people who are songwriters who are no longer with us it as I get older I really am in touch with the idea that like these things are going to outlive us, mm-hmm. right? And 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 there's a power in that. What you put in them will also live forever. So it is, like as I said, kind of scratching it into the stone. Mm. Yeah, I had this anxiety when I first started doing music. I'm, it's gone away now that I have enough albums out and I feel like I've expressed myself enough. But when I was first putting the first couple of Wednesday albums out, I was really... I had this anxiety that I was going to die before my music was released. I was like, I have all these things to say and no one's ever going to know it exists and blah, blah, blah. And that's gone away now that I have music out. But like, for some reason, I was like, I had this anxiety that it wasn't going to happen for some reason and the stories weren't going to be told and I was going to disappear. I don't know that is probably something I need to talk to a therapist about. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll get to the bottom of it. But, you know, you say we started out by telling our best stories first. Is this list feel infinite? Do you think the list is, you can, you can keep going? Oh, yeah. I mean, stuff happens every day that's wild. And it's just like taking, I noticed it's a muscle to take notice of it and realize it's something worth retelling. Because like, I think of that show. Have you seen How To with John Wilson, that show? Yeah. Yeah, like he is logging these events that are happening in the city. I guess, do you, do you live in New York still? I live in Brooklyn, and I was just going to say his his show on parking mm-hmm. is very much something I think of probably every Tuesday and Thursday when I move my car. Yeah, exactly. And he's logging those little things forever because he noticed them and said, someone's got to document this and like notice how like wild all these things are connected and blah, blah, blah. I kind of, I kind of find like my songwriting is like kind of parallels to that motivation a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways he's also building monuments to this moment we live in. I mean, 10 years from now, we're probably going to park our cars differently or something. Mm. Hopefully, God, hopefully, or, or we will get hope even better. We get, I'll get rid of them. You know, he's, he's documenting this kooky, thing this dance we do up here that that makes no sense mm-hmm. but but in some in some sense he's he's marking that moment in time and it's a loving portrayal of those things too i find uh, always yeah. always i mean 
And his relationships, there's an openness that he approaches his subjects with. There's an openness, and I think his conversations are really received well in some way, usually. Yeah, I should maybe get him on this. That's a good idea. Do I would love to listen to that. Uh, kind of thinking alongside DBT. Do you feel like being Southern is any part of your writing and your music? It's Yeah, it's kind of like the biggest part of it almost more than anything because it's the landscape for every memory that happens. It's It's the... That thing with tone I was trying to describe, like when I go anywhere else, the tone shifts. Like that's why I I love touring. I love playing shows, but trying to adjust to the tonal shift of different places outside of the South is really exhausting to me because I'm trying to understand (laughs) how things work. And anytime we are gone and come home, I'm just like, oh, thank God I'm back in my little like place that I understand. And, And it has... I think time passes differently here in a way that I enjoy. Like it feels less like the motivations in a day are less stressful, I think, than other places. Like what you try to achieve in a day is different. Yeah, there's just I remember I was trying to listen to country music in a subway last time I was in New York and it felt so wrong. I was like, this doesn't work here. And it made me so sad. And it made me wish everyone could listen to country music and be like sit in a field here because it completely changes the way you interact with it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that was kind of when I talked, we talked earlier about seasons. I mean, that's sometimes my follow-up question. Music in different places feels different and there's music, there's music in the city that I, I it just doesn't make sense to me and vice versa. When I go home to Minnesota. Mm, absolutely. You know the southern thing. I think like that. The one, the one thing that comes up to me is there's a few different racing references on the record, which I think of as generally a southern thing, mm-hmm. race cars. But there's also this some of this some of the imagery in the way you write has this kind of to me a flickering kind of quality. Meaning like you, like if you're talking about a film, it's like some jumps, you mm-hmm. know, like and you know you come to the race car driver on TV, and then the cricket jump behind the fridge. And it reminds me a little bit of a Les Blank film. I don't know if you've seen those films, but yeah, like there's there's kind of some of those hard jumps, which I love. That's what I see in my head sometimes when I'm listening to it. Well, it's funny because, so the two you picked was the race car driver dying on TV and the cricket behind the fridge. So all of the racing imagery is technically housed two doors down from us at our old landlord Gary's house who passed away last year. He was an 80-year-old man and he was in a car club. He was known for driving down this road that that we live on, which is a winding country road. He would apparently drive down it at like 75 miles an hour, which is so dangerous. There's so many curves and like ravines you could turn off into, but he was really into racing. He had a car garage in the back of our property and would watch races. And that was kind of like, those lines were referenced in memorial to him kind of. And then, oh my gosh, I just, that made me think of this other thing when he was kind of, sorry, this is like kind of a sad memory, but I have to say it because it just like attacked me. But when he was kind of starting to go in the hospital, apparently he had this vision that he was at a racetrack and he was lost and 
that image stuck with me like crazy just that he like can you can imagine how chaotic a racetrack would be and I, I feel like I wonder like was he a kid there like looking around for his parents or like I don't know that just came over me but what I was going to say is the the second line you're referencing about the cricket behind the fridge was a cricket at me and Jake's house so technically those two images are right next door to each other basically but there is a a jump like you're saying like a film by the way when you're saying we are, are you in are you in Asheville is that mm-hmm. where you're at okay that's what I thought I just wanted to confirm all right so there's repeated mentions of faith like te- well Sort of faith. Teaching Sunday school and chosen to serve. God made you a bull believer. I think you say, God made me, make me good, but not quite yet. Bath Country, every daughter of God has a little bad luck sometime. Bath Country does this thing where you sort of switch from biblical and to the mundane, Fanta, Planet Fitness, etc. And I get, well, I, I mean, we've already sort of talked about the, the specifics, but when you kind of open it up to the divine putting it against the everyday, which even the title, Ratsaw God, I think some, sort of does that. Is that something you're doing deliberately? Is that part of your life? How, how would you explain that in your, in your songs? I would kind of, to put into words, I feel like it's just another part of the landscape here. Like it's entrenched very casually everywhere. Like it's kind of hard to write about the South and not include references to Christianity. And I was always sensitive to them because I'm Jewish. I was Jewish, but my mom sent me to vacation Bible school just because that's where everyone else was going in the summer. And we celebrated Christmas. <laughs> it's just like, it's no matter, it's less of a divine thing to me and more of just like a cultural thing. Kind of in the way, like what Santa is to Jesus like everything is Santa here, like in the background, like there's a lot of imagery that's kind of casually Christian. Right. I mean, I, I I was raised Catholic and, but I'm in, in certain parts of the country when I travel, you get in conversations and there's maybe sometimes I feel like an assumption that you're a Christian and it can come up, you know, or, or sometimes you meet someone and I've, I've had this, like meet someone for a meeting and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're praying before the food at lunch and you're like okay that's that's I, I very much respect that but also I'm, I'm surprised it can be jarring no one yeah. in new york yeah no one in new york is doing that but i think that that is a thing it, it lives a little more in different places mm-hmm. musically there's this kind of classic shoegaze thing that gets referenced my bloody valentine obviously sonic youth but i, I also think of the swirlies that's like my favorite band. these records <laughs> oh really yeah so yeah, I went, I went to school in Boston kind of when they were just coming up. So no. that's that's music that I, I feel really connected Ugh, to. I love them. I'm, I'm glad I heard that then. That's cool. Those records are mostly released a while back. Was there like a discovery for you of this music at some point? Or Yeah. it's Okay, so I guess mix CDs and mix tapes were just like deeply, like I've always wondered why I'm not really an album listener as much as to like a s- individual songs listener which I know is kind of like um, blasphemous in the music community to not be an album listener. And I am now more so, but I was just given so many mixtapes that like influenced my taste. My friend Samuel, who was my best friend growing up, made me a, and this was supposed to be like a retro, it was like a hipstery thing at the time, but he made me a mixtape on a cassette that had Cocteau Twins my Bloody Valentine, like Astro Bright, 
And I remember I skipped school one day and was sitting down on like a blanket in a park. And I kind of ima- like imagine that day as the starting point of the rest of my life. Cause I was just like, what the, f-? like I had no idea. Cause like I said, up until that moment, I was listening to pop punk and I never really identified with it. I never related to. I always felt disconnected from my friends who really enjoyed it. And then I heard that music and I was like, this is what I've been looking for. And the kind of noise resonated with some of the stuff I was experiencing that I didn't know how to put into words. I was like, you don't have to put it into words. You can just use noise to alleviate your pain or whatever. It was such a, it was a big day. (laughs) <laughs> Bo, Bo Believer, the second track on the album, like really kind of does that. And it's also like, it's eight minutes long, which is great for a second track to put the longest song. I think that's really <laughs> awesome. Brave. It kind of, it, it, I don't know. But it, but it absolutely goes somewhere sonically that maybe the words, it, how would I say? It it may, it gives the words new meaning almost mm-hmm. like to me in that it, 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 it starts to sound bigger and bigger and bigger and without... I don't know. I really dig it. Thanks. But I you know, there's this there's this intersection of the shoegazy stuff with the, you know, sort of with a, a sense of country in Americana and you have a pedal steel player obviously. Is this something that happened naturally with the players you assembled or did you sort of have this vision of this sound? It happened really naturally. When I first I started playing guitar like 5 or 6 years ago now and I'd always wanted to play music but realized like okay, you're going to have to get some people who actually know what they're doing to back you up. And basically all like the smartest people I knew who knew stuff about music was Jake and my friend Julian at the time and my friend Daniel. Just like all, yeah, all my, I just got together. I was like, okay, everyone that can help me create this shit when I know nothing, um, like put them in a room and they're my band now. And that that kind of like, members switched out and it's always just been like who's down with the sound I'm trying to make and who can help me get there and Sandy our lap steel player was just part of that I don't know it happened so naturally yeah I should have said lap steel well it is a lap steel right not a pedal steel. well he plays pedal steel on some of the new ones oh too. he does it's in there oh, okay cool mm-hmm Cool, cool. Well, the band is doing really well. There's a lot of excitement in this record. And your last record, Twin Plagues, made a big dent, too. And things start moving fast in a band with a lot of things happening. It can feel like a blur. And I'm wondering if you, like, with all this, do make an effort to remember things? Do you you try to slow down and experience things, like, on the road or anything? Do you have any techniques? Or do you ever, or do you just go? Hmm. I think probably my biggest technique that's I've noticed I've done just to like kind of experience everything as it's happening and not get too caught up in any of it is like I notice people like people keep on asking me like oh are you excited for this thing that's happening in two months and I'm like I haven't thought about it like I know what's happening tomorrow and I literally haven't looked at my schedule really past that I know I'm supposed to be doing something then but I haven't even it hasn't crossed my mind I'm like literally taking things one day at a time because otherwise I'll get so overwhelmed I also since I was in high school I have been taking like two second videos of just little things I do and like putting them together at the end of each month so I actually have like a log of videos of 
all of those kind of conglomerated together every month since I was like a junior in high school. That's so cool. Do you do you actually put them together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just up cool. on YouTube for anyone to see that wants to watch them. But um, uh, under your name? Hmm? Are they under your? It's name? It's under the Wednesday like YouTube. Oh, the Wednesday. Just because okay, cool. a lot of All it right. has to do with the band now, because it's most of it is like touring and hanging out with my bandmates and stuff. It's turned into that, but it's cool because you can see the progression of the band through those videos it's crazy yeah i'm gonna watch i love that (laughs) um i'm a big fan of like the the just the personal solo walk like that's when i'm on tour Mm. like i literally if i don't do one of those a day it gets weird and even 20 minutes of walking by myself is like a big mental health thing and I think allows me also to kind of capture the day a little bit because I kind of understand it's, it's weird to me sometimes when you're on tour and you go in the club and then you drive away and you don't understand, like if you don't understand like what's at least a little bit around it, you know what I mean? Like, like, like I can't just go in and go out. I need to at least circle it, you know, or something, but you know, it, do you find the motion of, of that, of touring? Like, is that inspiring to you or is it, disorienting or I find it pretty difficult and I don't think it's because of the traveling I think it's more just because I'm an introvert and it starts to go drive you crazy when you're around people that much so I think Mm -hmm. it's like not traveling in like a vacation way it's like traveling in this way that's like kind of a battle every step of the way which makes it a little hard but I also love seeing honestly some of the smaller towns are my favorite stuff to like walk around and yeah I kind of I disappear a lot on tour (laughs) like we'll roll up to the venue I'd be like I'm out till sound check I go to sound check and I'll be like all right I'm out till we're on stage like I'll be walking around or sitting somewhere and looking at people because yeah I feel like you do need you'll drive yourself crazy if you don't like like take a second and ask yourself like okay where am I right now (laughs) Like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The thing that I've been thinking about, I was actually thinking about this morning, that I have that I really remember shows, not, not the actual shows, but like the tour dates, right? So like people say like, have we been to this club in Baton Rouge? And I'll say, yeah, yeah, this is what it looks like. But I have very few memories about making the records because you're in the studio and you're, I don't know, a lot of time you're either looking at your phone or you're waiting, but you're going to the same place every day. And uh, I'm wondering if, if, if you feel that at all, or do you, do, you, do you think, is there any lasting memory you'll have of making this record? I think I would be more prone to remember recording if it was a more dramatic process, but I think recording is a lot of times less, it's pretty like organized and it kind of has to be or else you're not going to have a record. So I feel like the process is less extraordinary than a lot of people assume it is. You know, I mean, you know, because you do it, but. That's what I think. I mean, I think it's like there there aren't as many highs and lows. And, you know, I sort of vaguely remember, I remember the studio we made it in, but then it just becomes this blur of, I guess, working, which is good. I mean, creating, but it's, you know, you generally are either there or sleeping. So there's less hijinks and less strange. There's no strangers coming into mm-hmm. it, probably. Yeah, and and we we've recorded everything in Asheville too, so we weren't even like really traveling. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like during the actual recording process, it's pretty, yeah, just like go through your list of things you got to do and get through it because you're just trying to, it's kind of hard It's and stressful trying to capture this vision you have. So you're mostly just trying to like fight through it until it's done. <laughs> Yeah, know. yeah. The only the only really memorable stuff is could be. I feel like the highs aren't that memorable. That that if there's anything bad that happens, mm. you know, then it might be memorable. But I think I think if it goes smoothly, it shouldn't be memorable. Yeah. But I have one more question. I it's I think a great place to end on the song. What's so funny? You say memory always twists the knife, and what does that mean to you? Hmm. Well, I think the the line right after it kind of expands on it in the way that. I sort of mean, it continues and says, nothing will ever be as vivid as the darkest time in my life. Um, hmm. I don't know, when I when I see that image in my mind, it just feels, I see someone getting stabbed in the stomach and being like, what's the like thing in when you like, like a, like a hero disembowels himself after like yeah, a yeah. fight or something. Hari Kari. Yeah. Something like, like yeah, that. Yeah. But I feel like writing about memory in itself is an act can be an act of violence against yourself, especially if you're writing about things that are painful. So it's like, you're like forcing yourself to go somewhere that's not fun and then sharing it with anyone who listens. Like it's such a psycho thing to do. But I mean, I would counter that when you do, you're likely making a connection with people who say, I felt something similar mm -hmm. and we're all human and we all suffer in some way. Yeah, that's, I mean, that definitely, that's the stuff that makes it all worth it for sure and that's the goal like that's the whole reason for doing it kind of like yeah to like relate to other people who have maybe experienced this thing and then the other side of that is yeah like logging it into the books like we were saying to building the monument for yourself because at the end of the day i'm glad the songs exist even though the process is hard to go through yeah music is weird <laughs> that's a that's a great place to end. <laughs> music is indeed weird i just can't argue lots of great stuff there really enjoyed having carly on to talk about all of this and in a very thoughtful way please check out wednesday's new record rat saw god it's great and go see them live i'm sure they'll tour a lot this year to support it thanks to carly and thanks to you for listening i really appreciate it we got more great guests coming up, so please listen and subscribe to That's How I Remember It. Stay positive.